Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hi, Fred. Hi, everyone. First up, it looks like Apple still does plan to be a player when it comes to autonomous vehicles. This week, it bought the floundering Drive AI, an autonomous driving startup that had previously been valued at $200 million dollars. Pretty much they had gone out of business, it seemed. But many of Drive AI's engineers have been hired, according to Axios by Apple. And the purchase price wasn't disclosed, but Axios says it's believed to be a whole lot less, less than half of that $200 million. Uh, yes, uh, this is uh, Apple picking up uh, some people. Uh, as we've uh, reported previously, uh, Apple's had um, some uh, swinging, uh, revolving doors in its employment in the processes of them developing their uh, driverless vehicles. And here they're picking up some people and maybe some, some IP and maybe some people with some experience. Um, I guess it's good that, um, uh, that um, they are still uh, out there. And what it really does uh, reflect is that uh, to do driverless, it's going to take uh, deep pockets. And I guess we really don't know the role that Apple intends to play here long term. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, we don't know, but but uh, they have to be playing the, the driverless piece as opposed to the self-driving piece. Um, to be really um, revolutionary here, um, you have to make it to, to the driverless world and um, and uh, provide a, um, a a a system that actually delivers the mobility uh, without um, uh, the need of a driver or an attendant. If you still have a driver or an attendant in the vehicle. Well, then um, that is not uh, really um, uh, revolutionizing the mobility uh, as a market, um, uh, as a service market. And therefore, um, uh, you're just um, um, uh, one of many players out there uh, doing what, um, what has been done for um, close to a century. I guess the question would be, are they going to do this with partners or is this something that uh, they're planning on competing as a standalone kind of thing. Well, I think that, that this looks like is what they're doing. It is is trying to develop it internally and dr at least driving the uh, developing the technology internally, in terms of the partnership of which vehicle that this technology gets to be put on and so on. What are the four wheels and the engine? Uh, to me, that's a co the commodity part of this. The question is, is what is the technology package that is doing the the, the sensing and the uh, and the cognition to then determine what is the uh, what what are the throttle and brake and 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 steering settings such that you don't um, crash. Uh, that's the key piece, and so um, and and to do that uh, reliably, um, and reliably means um, means uh, really reliably uh, ninety nine point nine nine whatever. Um, and and to do that well, and <clears throat> that's what this thing's going to take, so that you can actually take the human out of the loop. Then there was the story this week in the Washington Post about Starsky Robotics. It put an 18-wheeler on the Florida Turnpike earlier this month, uh, granted for a 10-mile stretch, 
with nobody in the cab. Alan, an accomplishment perhaps, but the devil is in the details. The devil's in the details, and it is somewhat of an accomplishment. Let's first of all take them at their word that there was no one in the cab. Uh, not that that would matter or not, whether there's somebody in there to take over. I mean, depends on on what level of risk you're trying to do. Uh, from the videos, it, it's obvious that they have an entourage around the vehicle, both in front and behind it, and basically... Uh, making sure that the way is cleared and there is probably sufficient uh, human surveillance around the vehicle uh, in the communications loop, making sure that uh, uh, no glitches are encountered. But uh, besides all that, uh, the whole concept, um, what they're demonstrating there and the opportunity to even be able to demonstrate it, let's touch on that first, that opportunity is because of the new legislation that exists in, in um, Florida that, that permits um, the testing of driverless, uh, in other words, no human in the cab um, systems, and because that is now permitted in, in Florida, I'm sure that's uh, what gave them the impetus to actually do it, uh, but they really haven't taken the human out of the loop because what they've demonstrated is remote operation of vehicles. And so that's really one category that we really haven't uh, discussed much uh, because in the end, this really isn't driverless because there is a human in the loop. Uh, the objective of, of driverless is not to have no one in the cab, but have a bunch of entourage outside of the cab, just making sure the thing drives properly. Uh, that doesn't get you to a to an affordable mobility. Uh, the reason for driverless is to achieve affordable mobility. Um, that's the only reason. Um, it's not safety. It's not any of the other things. It's to do it affordably. Uh, because if you can, if you look at what it costs Uber or Lyft uh, or Didi or anyone to uh, to provide mobility as a service, a substantial part, seventy-five percent, eighty percent of the charge is is associated with what one has to pay for the driver. And so, if one is looking to uh, make um, a real um, a, um, a revolutionary change in the affordability of this mobility, uh, then you really have to get the human out of the loop, not just out of the vehicle, and um, so that you don't have to pay for it. Um, otherwise, it's basically chauffeur service that, is that has existed uh, since the beginning of the automobile, you know, more than 100 years ago. So uh, the real revolutionary aspect of this is uh, taking the human out of the loop. Uh, they've uh, made a, um, an approach to that, uh, but that's not the approach to having affordable mobility as a service. I'm not clear, and perhaps uh, you, you might have a better idea, what the advantage would be to having a driver remotely operating an 18-wheeler over having somebody in the vehicle. If you have to pay that person, and, and they really do have to be paying attention full-time if all, if all it is is remote control. 
Right, and and I think they, you know, the article sort of explains that a little bit. There is, um, you know, it's uh, the person can be at home, for example, doing it as opposed to being away from his or her family uh, while they're out there doing the driving. So there is uh, some advantage to there. There's other maybe comfort and convenience advantage, uh, but but it's it's not the same advantage that the military has with respect with with respect to remote operation of of uh, of vehicles i mean there you're taking a human out of harm's way i mean it's it's hard to to, to fathom having an air force anymore with a pilot a human pilot in in in, a, in an airplane i mean my goodness why would you want to put her in that kind of of risk uh, do it remotely. Um, and so uh, that isn't what one is trying to achieve here. Uh, what one's trying to achieve, the, the problem is, the, the objective is, is to, provi- is to be able to provide affordable mobility and, and very affordable mobility. And then if you look at the provision of mobility um, and you add up the costs, you see that the big ticket item is, is paying for the chauffeur. And uh, if you can then take the, the paying for the chauffeur out of it, then you have a real uh, competitive uh, uh, affordability um, uh, product. Uh, or affordable product. And so that's what the objective is. And this doesn't um, uh, uh, address uh, this particular objective. Why do you want to make it affordable? Well, because, um, I mean, if if money wasn't an issue, then we'd all be chauffeured all the time. And it wouldn't be, you know, great, uh, provide this for employment. Uh, uh, But but apparently um, that business model doesn't work. I mean, it works for maybe, you know, a half a percent of the trips or something like that. Sure, I, you know, uh, I don't mind being chauffeured to the airport or I get somebody to pay for it or something like that. Uh, but for most of the things, what, what the automobile has done for, for the economy and why it's been so successful is because is because it has provided the mobility um, uh, without charging uh, for the chauffeur, uh, when we chauffeur ourselves, uh, we uh, we look at the cost of what it costs us to chauffeur ourselves, and we look at that and we say, well, uh, you know, I'm not going to pay myself. I'm going to I'm going to do it for free, and then and then we look at it and say, okay, yeah, well, then I'll do it. And so the the whole business is associated with. Uh, making us individually perceive that we actually love to drive. My goodness, we're we're willing to pay to just drive or something. I mean, that's what the automobile companies would like us to think, and we then go out and do it. And so it's it's that sort of a, a societal engagement uh, that has allowed us to uh, create for ourselves a mobility opportunity that for which we get the great benefit and great quality of life enhancements uh, to those of us that can afford the other pieces of this things and, and can afford to do this for ourselves and have the, the physical mental capabilities uh, to do it. Uh, some don't have the physical mental or, or economic capabilities uh, to do that. And, uh, and they're the ones that are left behind.
And those are the main folks that I think um, the driver list is focused on, as well as if it was to do it for ourselves uh, and for myself, I might decide to use it as opposed to doing it for myself. And and uh, so that's the real um, you know business case or or uh, economic um, um, enticement uh, that would make this um, a competitive uh, market. So what Starsky is is really aiming at here isn't so much uh, the technology driverless autonomous in, in any way. It's more to help uh, trucking companies uh, attract more drivers since they wouldn't have to be out on the road. They can be at home doing it, as you said. Right, I guess, and that, that's uh, that's a good thing to do. Um, and I and I guess there's there's a certain market for being able to do that. And if you can really do it. Um, um, such that the technology to do that is essentially free, then then do it. Uh, but the technology, I'm not sure, is essentially free or would be essentially free. Um, the the communications requirements on these things are non-trivial, and so yes, if communications is free, uh, sure, do it remotely. If we're going to have an air force, absolutely uh, have an air force that's nothing but drones. Have a have a whole navy that's nothing but drone ships. I mean, you know, I put anybody on board. Um, send those things out. I guess. <laughs> Argo AI, part of Ford, is putting up uh, fifteen million dollars for a RoboCar Research Center at Carnegie Mellon. Yeah, good call. I mean, a good choice of places to do it. I mean, if you're going to do it. Uh, Carnegie Mellon's probably the, the 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 best university to do it at uh, uh, in the nation. They're certainly the one that one that has uh, invested the most, I would think. Uh, certainly, I think more than Stanford, and, and probably more than anybody else um, in terms of doing it. And um, and so, if you're going to establish and 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 a center, uh, Carnegie Mellon's a, a perfect place for you for one to do it. And given that they're also um, ha- uh, you know headquartered in Pittsburgh, I mean that's even another reason. So. Uh, congratulations to uh, Carnegie Mellon. Um, uh, that should be a nice thing for you to have. There's an enormous amount of research that need, still needs to be done on this technology. Uh, $15 million will, will, will help. Uh, it's only scratching the surface. But, uh, you know, again, congratulations on that. Good call. And, and of course, uh, these types of things can help uh, Ford down the road with, with hiring engineers, too. Well, of course, with hiring, but just again for uh, you know what universities do. Universities uh, universities do research as well as create people. Uh, if you're going to do that, uh, Carne- and do that in this space. Carnegie Mellon uh, would be at the absolute top of the places where one would look at to do this. A story from Electrek: uh, Tesla's millions of cameras are capturing some crazy videos. That's the headline. Uh, there are cameras all around the vehicles. And some are activated in the sentry mode when parked. And uh, these these videos are, are making their way online. Yeah, well, I guess some of them are getting re- re- released. And, and, of course, you know, other companies like... Um, uh, like Mobileye have been collecting videos from cameras um, uh, that are on cars doing, you know, the, the collision avoidance and, and uh, automated driving uh, 
um, and they've been doing it for some time. So, so a lot of these companies um, have been collecting um, uh, videos from users um, out there in a uh, in a mode in which uh, you have your customers helping you collect data, and um, and of course these things are basically capturing. Um, all the uh, goofiness that happens out there in the driving environment. And uh, they have a few of them listed there, and one can, can look at them and see, you know, this is this is the way these things happen. And, of course, uh, uh, for years now, um, uh, Russians have been putting on their uh, crazy Russian driving video videos. Uh, why? Because... Um, uh, at least for a while and still now uh, some folks sell some some cameras uh, that um, that individual car owners can can affix to the dash of their cars uh, that record um, uh, the driving um, um, uh, video or driving environment ahead as they drive uh, primarily to be used as as protection in case of uh, of uh, you one being involved in a crash uh, to basically use as proof to show hey it wasn't me that was at fault they crossed the center line they ran through the red light they they did the goofy thing um, uh, uh, crash wasn't my fault so uh, these things have been floating around for a long time uh, having Tesla do it on their vehicles uh, for which um, the the data or uh, the videos are uploaded on um, mass. Uh, is a treasure trove of information about what the real driving environment is. Uh, much of it is enormously normal. So again, uh, 95, 98, 99% of it is absolutely, totally boring. It's normal. But boy, that last um, one or a few percent are just um, treasure troves of, uh, of situations in which one um, uh, then has to uh, can use uh, to determine and, and to make sure that in fact uh, uh, one's systems would be able to handle such encounters and and basically save the day and and, and not crash whether it's the vehicle itself or crashes that occur around the vehicle so uh, there it's a treasure trove and I hope they uh, put it all out there online. It should be they, and it'd be they'd be doing everyone a favor if they also took out all the boring stuff and just uh, uh, compiled uh, the interesting stuff and made it available to everyone. This is fundamental information that, that everyone should should who's working in the field uh, should have available to make sure that uh, that in fact uh, their systems or the systems they're working on. Uh, can um, can best in, encounter and, and handle uh, those kinds of weird situations. I'm assuming that uh, owners of the vehicles have some say in, in terms of how videos get used and who gets it. I I don't know that they do. I don't. I I haven't looked at that one. And maybe you know some of the regulators may come in and say this is part part of the you know the privacy issue with respect to to to, to private information and therefore um, uh, they should have some say. Of course, one should be able to opt out. Um, but I think that I think that that if I was if I drove a Tesla and they had it, I I would want them to make the information of 
of the um, of the driving environment that I've encountered available to everyone. I think um, I think that's a, that's a contribution uh, to the system um, that um, that I that I think can help uh, make everyone uh, develop better um, uh, automated uh, vehicle systems uh, to be able to avoid crashes. So I think um, there there's there's essentially all positive um, uh, good that comes out of uh, out of this and and not anything that we should fear so um, um, I'd like to I certainly would opt in I think um, I don't see where it would hurt me and and this this may be also an opportunity for for regulation or legislation I think that that there, there would be it would be nice and I've, I've said this before it would be nice if there were regulations that said that, that any information that I provide is is provided for for it to be used for the good and not to to be something bad towards me. So it's in in a sense I shouldn't be self-incriminating because I I shared some information. One shouldn't be able to be, be go through all of my data associated with my driving and say, oh, Alan, you ran a red light. Here's a traffic ticket uh, for running a red light. Um, um, that, should, um, that should not be permitted and, and, and uh, to use it in that way. But if the data can be used to basically make better systems, then, then it should be available out there. And uh, and the individual should have some protection uh, that uh, those data not be used against uh, against her or him. Here's a story that uh, I don't think sat too well with you. BMW had a, a next gen event in Munich, uh, showing off its Vision M Next concept. And Gadget says it promises the best of both worlds, letting you relax or work in autonomous mode, or take the wheel as a sports car. Great, you know. Again, that's that's wonderful. And as we've said, um, you know, I, in, in the past we've talked about um, the kinds of technology, safe, self, and driverless. There are three of them. There are really only two. There's a safe itself on the one hand, where we have the vehicle, and and a um, you know, I, I guess I've loved automatic transmission for many years. I didn't have to sit there and shift. Although I guess the the Subaru that I have is a standard shift, so I sit there and shift. Um, um, and so, yes, it's it's a car that I own, that I use myself, that uh, basically provides uh, comfort, convenience, and all the um, all the wonderful things that the uh, automobile OEMs have been promising me for all these years. And uh, yeah, that's one end. On the other end is uh, the mobility as a service. Um, this, these things being mobility machines that just give you mobility. Again, they're the the elevator analogy piece of this thing. Um, uh, it just takes me from the ground floor to the 18th floor, and maybe we took somebody to the 6th and the 12th floor on the way and picked up somebody on the 14th who was going to the 23rd. Great. You know, it just takes me. I, I, I get there. I walk away from it, forget about it, use it, and and just provide that. And that's the different kind of, of business. That's the mobility as a service business 
affordable mobility as a service. Um, this is not what BMW is talking about. So the BMW is still talking about the ultimate driving machine as opposed to the ultimate riding machine. Uh, the the elevator analogy is the ultimate riding machine, and BMW is being BMW with their automa- uh, ultimate driving machine, which they've been since uh, they've been in business. So, um, uh, no news here, really. Autonomous Stuff has launched its open autonomy pilot in downtown Peoria, Illinois, with research and uh, development vehicles being tested on defined routes in the city. Autonomous yeah, stuff has it. been doing great stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it, and I love it that it's Peoria because you know I don't know if it's still the case, but again, maybe I'm I'm showing my age. But Peoria was always considered to be the middle American city. You know, what's right for Peoria is right for the rest of the the country. So I'm glad they're doing it in Peoria as a, as a standard test case for many communities, and I and I sort of agree that. It in fact, that is where this technology should be tested, is in, in sort of um, middle America fundamental communities. Uh, how well do you provide mobility as a service? How, how do you improve the quality of life in a community? Uh, let's start with the easiest sort of uh, places to do it. Uh, and Peoria, it looks like uh, it may be one of them. And I'm glad that um, autonomous stuff is there working uh, in Peoria. And I should also mention, I think it, uh, that's also a good thing about where Waymo's working this. They're working it in in a community uh, in Chandler and in, in Phoenix. I think to do it in the in the big cities, to do it in the Manhattan's, forget about it. Um, uh, even San Francisco, uh, my goodness, um, uh, that's not that's not the place. Um, but um, as I also like to point out, uh, Central Jersey is uh, is what I consider is also a Peoria of the, of the nation, and where we should be doing and, and seeing and doing the testing to see th- does this really provide. Uh, an improved quality of life uh, to the people that that have been been basically uh, left behind by the current personal automobile, and I think those are great venues to do testing. When we're still waiting for that, obviously, and we are still waiting, but we're working. I I have the students this summer. We're working. We're we're gonna we're gonna we're moving forward. We're we're gonna make it happen. And our friend Michael Senna in Sweden is out with a new edition of the Dispatcher newsletter. Some interesting articles, as usual. Uh, yes, and, and he uh, provides uh, two very interesting articles that are not exactly down the line of, uh, of uh, smart driving cars, but certainly um, um, are, uh, have to do with with uh, the whole um, mobility um, uh, realm. And, um, and I just encourage uh, people to, to read it. It's, it's just very good. And that's it for this edition. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, a whole bunch more wherever you get your podcasts. Ask your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening. And thank you, everyone.